Hey girl, welcome to the Empower Her podcast, where we are all about taking purpose-driven action toward building lives we really freaking love. My name's Keisha, and I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur who left the corporate world to follow my gut and leap into the online business space. But most days, I still feel like I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm obsessed with the process of us getting to figure it out together. We've got epic guests with incredible stories, tips, and tricks to help us get out of our own way and unapologetically make some moves. So girlfriend, let's do the damn thing. Hey girl, I am so excited that you're here for today's episode because we have back on the show, Christy Thraykill, who is a licensed psychotherapist and she talks all things anxiety. She was actually episode number 28 and so many of you vibed with that episode. I had to bring her back on. Also, because I get a ton of questions about anxiety, so I wanted someone that could really talk like we're girlfriends chatting, having coffee, but also back it up with a lot of tangible, tactical things that you can actually implement. So in this episode, we talk a wide range of topics because what I did is I actually went into our collective community and I asked for questions that you wanted to ask Christy. So we talked about intimacy in relationships. We talked about social anxiety. We talked about that thing that we do where sometimes something really tiny happens and we blow it real up out of proportion. She calls it catastrophizing. And we have a lot of insight of how to navigate relationships with someone who does have anxiety if we don't and how to have some conversations that might be necessary to get us the help that we need to build a life that we are freaking obsessed with. So I really think you're going to like this episode. I cannot wait to hear what you think. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Christy, I am so excited that you're here today. You're coming back for round two because your episode, the first one that you did was fire and I just love you and I love your energy and your insight. So we are going to dive into like a popcorn style episode with you today, all things anxiety. And I'm really excited. Like, I'm, yes, I'm excited. Thank you for having me back. This yeah. is awesome. Um, so first let's kind of tee them up, give them a little bit of backstory on kind of what you do professionally, how you got into this career path, and then we'll just dive into the juicy stuff. Okay. Well, um, long story short is I've always wanted to do this since I was a kid. I've always wanted to be a therapist, uh, you know, different clientele along the way that I've decided to see. And you kind of find your niche. I learned by just uh, trial and error. Like, who do you connect with the most? What do you, uh, what are you interested in learning about the most? Um, anxiety has definitely been what has hit home most with me and that I love working with the most. Um, so I have been a therapist now for, oh my God, I actually honestly don't even know. I think about seven years and I've owned my own practice about four, almost five. Um, and it has been uh, just the best. I don't even feel like I am really ever working. It's my favorite time is when I'm at work. So it's, it's great. And it's great to be back to talk about it too. Yes. So specifically, what type of person do you work with like in your practice? Like what's your, your specialty or what do you find yourself interacting with your patients most about? Okay. So I'm kind of, I'm certainly not a jack of all trades. I think um, it's very important for therapists to have their niche and to know what they're best at, but I am a little bit all over the map. I think the best way to describe me is I work best with relationships. Mm -hmm. So I see a lot of couples. I see a lot of, and that doesn't just mean couples. I see a lot of teen girls with their mothers. Mm -hmm. Um, I see a lot of families and I see a lot of children with anxiety because I'm then working with the families as well. So my 
my favorite way to work with people is to work with all of their people. Uh, So even when I see a lot, I see a lot of women in transition with their jobs, I might bring in their husband for a session, or I might bring in their mom with them for a session or a sister that they've lost touch with best friends come in together. Um, We are as humans, so affected by the relationships that we're in. If you think about any time you've been happy or sad, there's usually another human connected to that. So I really love working with that dynamic. I love that. And I think it's so powerful because often we think about it as a solo thing, but our environment affects us so drastically, especially because of relationships and those dynamics. So I love it. Okay. So I went into our collective community, which is essentially like the women that vibe with this podcast. And I always like to get to pick their brains on what they want to hear. So I collected a ton of questions. And so what I'm thinking we're going to do is kind of just pop through some different ones and kind of get your take on them. And we'll get through as many questions as we can and tangible stuff, but also a lot of the rationale behind anxiety or like what we know about the mindset of it. Um, Mm -hmm. as you know, um, I'm coming from the lens of someone who doesn't struggle with a ton of anxiety, which I think can be really powerful because I always want to understand like, how do people that struggle with certain types of anxiety, like process things? And so we'll dive into all of that. I'm really pumped. Excellent. Okay. Yes. So first in general, can we just talk a little bit about social anxiety? Because I know that's something that people struggle with and kind of what is your take on social anxiety when you work with someone? How do you kind of work through any issues that someone might have around social anxiety? Okay. So it's, all, t- all types of anxiety, and there's so many forms of it, um, stem from something, somewhere. So whether it be the way your brain chemistry is working, the way you've experienced something in the past, a trauma that's happened to you before, anything, there's, there's a stem from it. Uh, it's different in that way from things like getting the flu or having a cold, like it came from someone else that sneezed on you. Like that's just, you know, like, you know, the direct source, there was a virus that you caught this. Sometimes it's, it's work in finding out where the issue stems. So especially when you think of something like social anxiety, um, is it just your brain, your brain chemistry? Is it the way that your brain is processing going to this party? Or is it something that happened in the past? Did you have a Carrie style prom, you know, did you go somewhere where everyone was mean to you? Did you, were you bullied as a child? Do you have, body image issues where you feel like everyone is staring at you. Where where does that stem from is where you really need to get to the core of before you can really see improvement on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where getting a a therapist is so important because they can help guide you along in that process. Um, Social anxiety usually is you know, in your head, which is ironic for a therapist to say. Um, But a lot of times it's things that we're telling ourselves and fears that we're allowing ourselves to fall into this trap of it will be awful. It will be horrible. And then a lot of times people will go to this event and come back and be like, it wasn't so bad. Mm -hmm. Um, or they don't go and they end up stuck at home and they're sad and they're beating themselves up about maybe I should have gone. I should have gone. And they're losing friends slowly because how many times can you say no to a party or to an event or to go to something until your friend says, fine, I'm done asking this person to do something. And so it's, it's a sad it's sad because you're setting yourself up to lose these connections that you desperately need in order to get over your, your fear of being around people. Yeah. So if someone's struggling with social anxiety of say like not wanting to go to a party or maybe even like about to walk in to a setting where they feel uncomfortable, obviously 
like the mindset of getting to the root cause is really powerful. But in real time, if someone's struggling with that, like, do you have any tips around how she can kind of navigate those feelings when she has to show up, right? Like maybe even like a work event where it's like, I'm feeling the feels, but I don't even have the choice of not going. Like I've got to be in this room, in this environment. Like how do I process that if I'm really struggling in real time? Okay. Can I get like super nerd out and scientific on you? Ooh, do it girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to skip a ton of steps. So like any like actual, you know, neurologists, neuropsychologists, all those people that are listening, if they are listening are going to be like, oh my God, you're destroying this. But hopefully you'll understand that I'm trying to make this um, relatable. Yes, perfect. (laughs) Um, So this is how I explain it to my clients sometimes when I'm trying to explain like the neuroplasticity of the brain, which is just that the fact that the brain is flexible and it can be taught differently than what it knows. So it's not, you know, like the drinking age is 21. I'm kind of getting off track, but I swear there's a reason to it. Um, that's because when the drinking age was set, we believed that our brains were done developing at 21 years old. So the alcohol wouldn't affect the brain. However, we now know that it's 25, 26, that it's really done most of its growing. Well, now it's found out even more so that it really is always changing. It's an ever changing organ in our body. Um, there is all right, let me talk about the main, like these three parts. There's the thalamus in the brain that you get a sensor to, something comes to it. So you see something, you hear something, actually smell is not related, but um, feel something, anything. And that sends a message to the cortex of your brain, which is the thinking part of your brain. So say you, I feel like this is a perfect example. You're walking down the woods and you see a stick, but you don't really get a vision of it. And you jump really quick because you think it's a snake automatically. That's because you had a stimulus of seeing this snake out of your peripheral vision was sent to your cortex to think, which goes down into your amygdala, (laughs) which is a little walnut shaped thing in your brain that um, hits all sensors of emotion. So it's where all your emotional memories come from and fears usually are based in your amygdala. Um, One one way I heard of it is like kind of thinking of it as like a post-it on a memory. Like, okay, you have this memory of being in the woods. Here's your post-it that the woods are scary um, is kind of on your amygdala. Sometimes people will have it where they have that experience and it skips the cortex completely, which is your thinking part of your brain and goes straight to the amygdala, um, which so immediately you have this fearful response, which is what really is happening when you see the stick. You're not, you're not thinking, oh, but then you take it back a second back and it goes into your cortex and it's thinking, right? Am I making any sense? Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. Okay. So it's important to recognize that your brain has this process because you can kind of learn where you want to change it. So if you have social anxiety, your main fear is, is something bad is going to happen at this party in front of people. I'm going to fall. People are going to look at me. No one's going to like me. Everyone's going to talk bad about me. My ex-boyfriend's girlfriend's going to be there and she's super mean to me. Never even met her. You just know she's going to be super mean. Yeah. Um, she's, you know, all of these things that you, that you have in your head that is all coming from an emotional place. If you took time, this is why you hear sometimes people say, I know I'm like all over that. Um, you know, I know better. Like, I think this is going to happen, but I know better, but it still is too scary for me to go. Yeah. That's your cortex is working. So that means you are thinking, you are able to know better, even though your emotion is so strong. So the point is to try and make your amygdala learn. Um, and it is a teachable part of your brain, but it's, it's only teachable through experience. And so you can't all of a sudden become not a socially anxious person by not going, you have to push yourself to go. Mm -hmm. However, if you have extreme social anxiety, that's not to be dumbed down as just, I don't want to go. 
you really do need the experience and the guidance of a therapist or trained professional to get you through it because you need to learn breathing techniques to get through it. You need Mm -hmm. to learn how to get a good night's sleep so that you're, oh my God, a a tired amygdala is really bad. So anyone (laughs) who's anxious and not sleeping, it's going to be even worse. Um, My husband always makes fun of me about the amygdala because I talk about it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's really powerful. So in in real time, like, are there questions that like, like, how could you prime your brain kind of like, if you're really feeling it in real time to like step up a little bit, like if you can't do all of the digging and you maybe don't know some of the breathing techniques yet, how can you ask yourself questions that might prompt you to respond differently? Or is there anything like that that you think could be helpful? I think asking yourself before you're put in that situation, what makes it easier? So like, I will, I don't mind going to this party if my cube mate at work is going to, or if my husband is able to go. So maybe, okay, I'm not going to say yes. I can go to this party until I hear from my husband. And that doesn't make you a failure because you're relying on that person or you're dependent on them for, for company to get through it. Or what are some, and it's not a distraction because that's different. That's going to really stop you from training your amygdala. (laughs) You can't have a distraction from it. You've really got to face it, but I don't want you to do that without, um, you know, a trained professional with you. So if you're just trying to get by right now, you have a therapy appointment in two months, then do the things that are going to help you get through it. When I say that, especially when it comes to social anxiety, this is very important. Do not use alcohol as a distraction. Don't go to a party, drink nine beers, take shots, because all of a sudden you're not anxious anymore because all that's doing is numbing your amygdala so that you, you're even more scared the next time you go. And you're going to wake up and be like, what did I do? What did I say? Oh my God, I can't face these people. There's no good that comes out of it at all. Yeah. Um, So it's really important for a person with social anxiety to avoid alcohol at gatherings. Yeah. Oh, that's really good advice. So, okay. I have so, I literally have so many questions for you. I'm so excited. Okay. So moving away from the social anxiety, just anxiety in general, like what are some things that you think are helpful for someone who says like they identify as I struggle with anxiety. Like I struggle with um, feeling really overwhelmed when I'm going to like try and take action in something, or I play out worst case scenarios in my head. Um, instantly that's my default. Like how does someone even just manage anxiety in a daily basis? Do you have some tips or just a perspective around managing anxiety as a whole, whatever way yeah, you want to take I mean, that? Cause obviously you've got tons yeah, of no, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, planning ahead is always ideal. Having a schedule is, is huge. Even when it comes to sleeping, um, having a good night's sleep and a night routine, we always say this is so important for our children. And then we forget about it for ourselves when, why? I mean, we still need the same exact thing. Yeah. You're telling your brain when to fall asleep. Getting a good night's rest is so important exercise is huge. Back to that amygdala, you know, that's been around since when we were cavemen and we would see a saber-toothed tiger and and know to protect our family and we would know to run. The amygdala is what actually triggers the fight or flight response in the brain. Mm. Um, So running is actually really good. Giving into those anxiety responses sometimes is amazing. It's our body telling us what we need to do. So if you feel a desire, this fight or flight feeling or, or freeze, which is also an option, run, go for a run, Um, go get it out, get your energy out, dance. I love, you know, you on your stories all the time with your jams and you're just dancing all around. (laughs) Maybe you would be anxious if you stood still for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. 
That's so true. Getting it all out. Uh, there's a lot of little things. Um, I put on my Instagram a while ago, and I really loved it. Just uh, because I'm thinking of the amygdala this is the first time I ever posted <laughs> about it. Um, chewing gum. Sometimes you'll feel yourself get anxious, so your mouth gets really dry. So you know, before public speaking, we always have our glass of water. That's really our mouth is going dry because our brain is telling us if you're going to need to run soon, you're feeling anxious, you're going to need to run and you don't want to be swallowing your spit because it's going to make your stomach sick. So just run and get your mouth dry. So what you can do is chew gum. It's, it's something minor, like fight those little symptoms that come with anxiety, your breath getting short where you feel like you can't breathe and your heart is pounding. Lay down a second, go to the bathroom if you need to, and just sit in the stall and breathe. My favorite breathing um, is is box breathing. And I may have talked about this on the last one. And excuse me to anyone who's listened to my last one and thinks no, I'm repeating because it so, might happen. It's so helpful uh, though. Like we got to hear things multiple times sometimes. Okay. So box breathing is my favorite. My friend Danielle actually taught it to me and she is a yoga instructor and absolutely incredible. But you breathe in for four, you hold that breath for four, you breathe out for four, you hold that breath for four and you just do it until your body calms down. And it's not just about calming down and slowing down. It's about getting the oxygen to your brain so that you can think clearly. Yeah. And that's what that does. Oh, that's so powerful. So, okay. As someone who I, I'm really curious if I like stopped moving all the time, if I would just all of a sudden be really anxious, I don't know, maybe. Um, but okay. So to someone who's listening to this, can you, from your like educational background and all of the clients that you've worked with, can you just kind of explain anxiety and maybe how it, it feels for a lot of people? I know it's so different, so it's hard to give that type of a response, but like for someone who doesn't struggle with anxiety, who doesn't really understand their sister or their husband or their friend who's really struggling and is kind of like, ah, like get over it. That's how they feel. And they don't want to say that because they don't want to be mean, but they feel like yeah. I don't get it. Can you explain kind of what's going on um, in the brain and kind of what's going on maybe emotionally with that person so that we can better understand? Yeah. I feel like a good way to describe it. I have a little boy that I'm seeing right now who is in fifth grade and he has test anxiety. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm going to try to, I'm in the, in the process of speaking to his teacher and guidance counselor because they are not very understanding of anxiety. In fact, even said to the mom when she found out, they found out she was going to taking him to therapy. Oh, I don't think you need to do all that wow. because he's a kind, great, well-behaved child. Okay. Well, you know, that sent me on a tailspin. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> so bet. The thing that I want to say to them is I want you to imagine when you get really bad news. Maybe you've lost a parent in your life or you found out your dog is dying or, you know, your business went under, your house burned down, something horrible that has happened in your life, something really horrible, tragic. And imagine that very minute that you found out where you kind of feel like in the movies when the, the world is spinning and you're standing still or someone took a rug out from under you, your knees go weak. That is what somebody with real debilitating anxiety feels like over the simplest things. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that they can control by just saying, I need to control it. It is something that they have power over because I believe everybody has power to change. Um, and they can change their brain because of the neuroplasticity in it. And they can take the steps to, to go towards it. So, but they can't just be like, oh, this gets on your nerves. All right. Because if somebody yeah. said to you, when you found out at that very moment that something horrible happened, get over it. You couldn't. And that is exactly yeah. what is happening to their brain. It's stuck. And so mm -hmm. being supportive and loving and encouraging to get help. I am, I am 
not tolerant of people who do not get the help when they have the ability to. I will say that. So, you know, I, with drug addiction, so my mom's a drug addict and it's the whole, you know, it's a disease, which I totally get, but she doesn't do the things that she needs to do to get better. That makes me mad. (laughs) That is annoying. Yeah. So I don't have a relationship with her anymore. This is Mm -hmm. similar in with anxiety. If you have someone in your life that just doesn't want to go out anymore, doesn't want to be with, be in social settings, doesn't call you, doesn't ask about yourself, is very trapped in their own anxiety in bed all the time. Maybe they've got fears. It's okay for you to set boundaries for yourself. And that might be horrible to hear from a therapist for some people, but you can set boundaries to say, until you get help, like, let me help you get help, but you have to agree to get help. And you can't enable that either for a person. They need to be able Mm -hmm. to, to take those steps but it doesn't give you the right to be um, insensitive to their feelings because it really is an awful feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's really powerful. And I think that just the understanding, like everyone can understand getting bad news or hearing something horrible that you feel like is so beyond your control and how debilitating that feels. So maybe you're not labeling that as anxiety, but like that can be how bad it feels for someone. And I can't even imagine putting myself in that perspective. Like how do you move forward? So getting help. And I love, I mean, obviously you are a therapist and you know, like I'm such an advocate for people to talk to someone that has professional, like they can deep dive with you. Like this is a podcast where we're going to give you tools and I want to like answer questions, but like getting the real help that you need to deep dive on where you're at in your life with your anxiety and potentially, you know, with someone else that could be involved in this process with you, that's important to you to get them involved, to really understand and help support you the best way that they can is really the deep dive solution. So I just want to like disclaimer that because you know, like how I feel about people talking to people about this, but at the same time, it's really helpful to hear that perspective from you. Well, and I also want to say, even though I I push hard for everyone to get a therapist, it's not for everyone. And I do believe that. I think everyone would benefit from it if they felt they would benefit from it. It's not going to help you if you don't feel like you want to be there where you need it. And that, and that is just right. the honest, that's just the way that it is. Um, so I'll see teen girls will come in all the time because moms want me to, you know, fix them. And the, the teen girl, most of the time I can connect with them and, and it's good, but there have been two or three instances in my career where I'm like, this isn't going to work for her. She doesn't want to be here. Yep. So we're not going to get yep. anything done. So don't push this on her. And it, and it can make for a situation where they hate therapy forever when they really do want to go and need to go. Um, so don't, it doesn't, I don't mean you, that's the only way to get better and to get through your anxiety. Right. You could also talk about medication. Do I think medication works better with therapy? Absolutely. Um, you could do start with self-help books, journaling. I don't even care if you go on Pinterest, whatever you're doing to start to take the first step to feel better. I'm happy with it. I love that. I love that. But I think what it is also too, is there's someone, some woman listening on the drive to work right now, or she's doing her workout, or she's in Trader Joe's folding her laundry. And she's like, I know that I need to go talk to someone because this will help me. So to that woman, yes, yes. go do it. To the woman who's like, I don't really know. Maybe she'll come around to it or maybe she won't, like you said. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of understanding what your options yeah. are and that you are in control of making the best decision for yourself, but you need to kind of be open-minded. And I think what's really cool with people talking about mental health so much more now that it is becoming more, um, people 
generally, of course, there's still a lot of work to do, are becoming more aware of how important it is to take care of yourself mentally so that you can show up to life the way that you want to. So I love that. Okay. In the collective community, I got a lot of questions around um, how to kind of process with overwhelm or like dealing with their own anxiety when it feels like so much is happening. I got a couple questions from moms that are like, when my life is crazy and like I'm trying to just juggle everything, I feel so anxious um, of how I process that. So what kind of advice could we give to a woman that just feels really overwhelmed? Okay. This is, I swear, hitting like so many of my clients this week. It's hilarious. I don't, it's like, <laughs> Perfect. Meant to be. Um, so I did, I have a mom who I adore client that of mine, she's incredible. And she came in and she was like, I did what you said. Like I wrote this to-do list. I'm trying really hard to like get it all outlined. Cause that's what I think. I think so much of our fears and our anxiousness and our overwhelm is with a lack of plan. And if we had routine and plan, how much of that would we not be worried about, right? So I gave this very simple assignment. I give homework assignments all the time. And I will say anyone who has a therapist that's not giving homework assignments, ask for some. You can only get so much done in 50 minutes a week uh, or a month, depending on how often you're going. Um, But I told her to make a to-do list. Like, what are your projects that you... She's a crafter. So what are some of your projects that you really want to get done, that you need to get done? Put them, write them down. So you're not like, oh, I have all of these things for all of these people to make you'll know what to do and you'll check them off and you'll feel accomplished, you know, whatever. Thought it was a great assignment. Well, no, it backfired because she came with this list that was like a novel long and it was so overwhelming and she overplanned them. Mm. She overplanned the planning. So it was like, and you know, make a quilt for Susie. Let's just say that was it. And then instead of just saying make a quilt, it was pick the fabric, cut the fabric, iron the fabric, put the fabric on. And it was like, make a quilt was probably like, (laughs) right. So, so I plan, but realistically, so I love to-do lists. So what I had her do is rewrite her to-do list, simplify it. And if it's very long to highlight the five that she wanted to get done first, that way the brain is immediately focused on those five things. And she's not to look at the rest of the list until she does that. And if that didn't work for her, there's sometimes there's homework with ifs and wins then to rewrite yeah. those five things and put the rest of the list in the drawer and just focus on five things at a time. So it is hard. I mean, I'm a mom. I have two children of my own. I'm running a business. I'm building a house. I have a husband. There's a lot. Uh, but if you've got a game plan, that's the best thing for you. <laughs> like, you know, a, 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 yeah. what are we doing Saturday? And it's Tuesday, but it's fine. I need to do that. So I'm not like, yeah. what did I not get to on Sunday? You know? And It's really interesting because it's common sense, but it isn't common practice often. And I noticed that with myself that like when I'm talking to you right now, I'm kind of thinking I proactively manage my anxiety without realizing that maybe I've identified that I have anxiety, (laughs) right? Like like I'm realizing because like even what you just said, like some of these tools that you do to help people that might feel overwhelmed, like when you are in a transition or a pivot or you're starting something new, like right now I just launched a new company and there is anxiety that comes with that in terms of like, ah, there's so much to do. Like, am I the person that can handle it? Am I qualified? But I'm 
I'm doing what you're saying. We're like, I made a planner that has literally like pick your top three priorities of the day, right. like your cake and everything else is sprinkles. And I proactively did that because I do that for myself yes. so that I don't feel overwhelmed because I feel probably the same way that your client would feel. We're like, I could, I mean, I can't make a quilt if you pay me a million dollars, but like, you know, make a quilt and you can get yourself into this crazy spiral of like, I need to cut the fabric. I need to find the fabric. What colors are going to be? I need to have this scheme. You can really create that reality for yourself unless you focus in on being proactive and like on Tuesday, knowing what's happening on Saturday can help relieve your mindset. And I just, I love hearing these like tactical things because sometimes we think it has to be really complicated of how we tackle this, but it's like these tiny little things that are simple to do. Maybe not easy when you're in something that you're feeling it really heavy, but it's simple to do where you can win that day and then kind of show up for the next day with a clean slate. And I love that you're giving that advice because I just feel like it makes a lot of sense, Yes, you know? Yes. Yeah. And it's not too complicated that like, because sometimes I think, I mean, truthfully, I think there are people that maybe would benefit from therapy that choose to not go to therapy because they think it's going to be lie on a couch. We're going to deep dive into like your childhood wounds. It's going to be crazy. Then you're going to have like hours and hours a week of all this processing that you're going to do. And it's going to, you know, you can't do anything else. Like I think that people create this massive story. And can we actually talk about like brain wise, science wise, or just your experience, like working with people that create like a mountain out of like a, a mole hole. Oh, yes. Mole hill. Mole hill. Not a mole. Maybe, I mean, moles probably do make holes, but create this mountain. Like, why do we do that? Um, Some of the questions I got in the collective community were like, when I'm going to bed and I'm just getting so anxious about like, I'm creating this big story that I know isn't true. Like in my brain, I know this is not true, but I'm creating this story. Why do we do that? And how can we kind of process through that concept. Okay. So catastrophizing is totally, yeah. Yeah, there we go. That's the, the verbiage I'm going to use for it because it's just something that's so little, I'm going to give you, so I'm not an anxious person either. So I'm with you on that. Like, like I really just have never thought of myself as having anxiety. I'm a social person. I go into a room and I can make friends with anyone, but then yeah. I have found myself in the last couple of weeks. Well, before I went to therapy last week, cause I'm much better now. But before that, mm-hmm. um, I was like waking up in the middle of the night and thinking about things that didn't matter. So when I say we're building our house, we had bought the dimmers and we gave it to the builder for the dimmer switches in our house. This is just a silly example, but I woke yeah. up in such a panic that I didn't think that I wrote mudroom on for a dimmer switch. Couldn't sleep literally for three hours. I was just like, Oh my God, I'm not going to have a dimmer in the mudroom. What have I done? <laughs> Number one, <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> like that is the weirdest <laughs> thing to worry about ever. Get a lamp. Two, it's fixable. Like we're still building our house. Like I could it wasn't even actually even if it was a problem, not a problem. Um there are people yeah. out there worrying about, you know, are they going to get their next meal? And I was up for 3 hours is my dimmer switch going to be on my mudroom? Like it was infuriating yeah. to myself. But it was great because I woke up and I was like, what is the deal? And I immediately knew it was better. I knew I was fine. Like I was, knew this was not yeah. a big deal. I called my builder. He's got it going on. We're fine. But yeah. it's all because I was exhausted. I have mentally and emotionally exhausted myself. I've got yeah. all of my best friends are going through something heavy. Like they each have something heavy going on. Um, th- there was just so much with everything, like every single people, people dying and like bad news all yeah. at once. And so I was so overwhelmed that everything hit me at 
three or four in the morning when I woke up and couldn't go back to sleep because, yeah. and, and I, I picked the dimmer switch to be worried about. And, yeah. And that's like what it's like. We, we are so tired that we aren't able mm-hmm. to process general thoughts as being normal. And so we catastrophize them. So really, I, I know I've said it already, but I really cannot express enough how much getting a good night's sleep matters. And there's probably yeah. a lot of moms listening right now that are like, oh, okay, because it's yeah. really hard to get a good night's sleep when you have little ones, especially, but it can be done. So if, if you have kids that are crawling in your bed every night and kicking you and you've got toddlers that are still waking up asking for milk at two in the morning, or you have nightmares happening regularly with children, that isn't, it is normal. It doesn't need to be your normal and you can get help for that. So even if you're just focused on getting a better night's rest and you're really resonating with this, you're like, oh my God, I'm not sleeping at all. Your anxiety will never get better until you start sleeping better. So what are some things you can do yeah. to sleep better? The Calm app is my favorite. I know I mentioned that in the last one. Um, There's sleep stories on there, deep breathing meditation. There's guided imagery to fall asleep with. I'm not really into the like, now relax your legs down to your ankles. But they have that. And and a lot of my clients love it. But I love like the Velveteen Rabbit where a British old man reads it to me and I fall asleep. Um, Or soundscapes, like they have, you know, white noise or rivers that are running. Do something like that to help you get off your phone, get off your TV, get off your computer 30 minutes before bed. If you're laying in bed and for the first 30 minutes, you're not falling asleep, get up, walk around in the dark, lay down, do some breathing. Don't just lay there for hours and hours panicking about how you're not going to get sleep. Um, But find a way to get sleep. And if it is your kids that are the problem, because that's probably the number one thing that I hear, then go to a therapist for your kids. Talk to them. Just you go. You don't necessarily need to bring kids. You go to a therapist trained in behavior health and, and ask them, how can I get my kid to sleep better? And they will give you amazing tips and tools. I will give you amazing tips and tools. I mean, that's one of my yeah. favorite things is getting kids to sleep. So if they're sleeping, you're sleeping, it's going to change your life. Eating better, yeah. exercising. And I'm, uh, any of my friends are laughing at me because I do not follow those rules, but, um, but it is very important. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's really powerful. So, okay. Just to give someone a, just a mom, I'm thinking there's a mom that's like, my kids don't sleep. Do you have like one (laughs) quick tip that you could share for her? That's like, that is my number one thing. Like my kids do not go to sleep. Um, (laughs) My number one thing is the warm fuzzy jar, which is, I can send you the link for that. It's a behavior that I love. Um, I wrote a whole blog about it. Um, It's perfect. Incredible. And it's been incredibly helpful for many, many families. And it's just having basically very, I'll give you the small version, but the blog is very detailed. It can fix almost any behavior you've got going on. Um, A clear mason jar or cup and some palm jar, palm balls, crafting balls. And every night they stay in their bed, they get a palm or two palms. And then when it's, when it's full, they get a prize, but they know right from the beginning what the prize is. So maybe they're going to go ice skating with you as a family. I always suggest not, um, not toys or purchases in that way, but quality time with the family. That's really what kids want the most of, especially if they're crawling in bed with you at night, there might be a little bit of a connection that they're, they're craving or that they just already love so much. So pick something and let them pick it. Draw pick, have them draw a picture of it, print a picture of it on your computer and put it on the jar and then have the jar fill up. Don't make the jar too big. This is one of the biggest rules. Don't make the jar too big. And you can't take them out for the nights that they don't sleep with you or that they do end up in bed with you. Uh, But Mm -hmm. yeah, fill that jar up and you're going to see a huge change. 
Oh, I love that. And we'll definitely link your blog post to that too. That's really helpful. Thank sure. you. Sure. Okay. Another question that I got that I really wanted to be sure that I asked, because I think this is probably a tough question for some people, but it might be common. Um, she asked, how can I stop sabotaging being intimate with my husband because of my anxiety? And she even like kind of explained, it goes from like, I'm really excited to, and loving to feeling really overwhelmed and almost like not enjoying myself. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about maybe the mindset behind that or any tips or anything you have around? Oh my God. I like anything in that regard. (laughs) I know. Right. Yeah. So that's going to be where I have struggle or have trouble in answering this question is because I do have so many more questions for her. Uh, But I really want to know where that stems from and where it starts. And by what it starts, where it starts, I mean, um, are you feeling really loving and like, oh, we're totally going to have sex at like 11 a.m. And when he comes home tonight, I'm going to wear this cute little nightgown and we're going to just jump into bed and be animals together. I'm so excited. And then by the time he's home, you're not interested. That's more of probably you're exhausted during the day. You've worked really hard. You just can't, especially for moms. I feel like this is a mom podcast, but there is a thing that's called the mother's touch where you're being touched all day long, especially stay at home moms. You're not, not, never not touched. And so when your husband gets home, all you want is everybody to just get off of you, like get the hell off. Um, And it's not even a sexual thing at all. It's just our, as humans, we don't need human contact all the time. And it's a true need for a break. Um, And so there's that. Maybe you're in the corporate world and you're out working at the office all day and you're with people all day and you're trying to people please all day long. And the last thing you do when you come home is want to jump in bed and please somebody else. And you're just too tired. You don't even care about being pleased yourself. Maybe you are feeling a disconnect with your husband. Maybe it's anxiety there. Like I'm going to have sex, but I'm not going to enjoy it. And that sucks. Um, So if, if that's where it's stemming from, maybe we need to talk deeper of that. Is it body image issues? Do you feel unattractive? Are you anxious at him looking at you? Do you feel like you need the lights out? Are you feeling less attracted to him? Have you been together for a really long time and maybe things have faded? Um, it's, it's such a hard, deep question to answer. Yeah. That is a 100% you should go to a therapist even just a few times and explore that because that's something mm-hmm. we can talk to our girlfriends till we're blue in the face about our sex lives. And we can tell fun stories or even, you know, share the difficult ones over a glass of wine, but you don't want to be saying to your best friend, Jasmine, who's, you know, getting it all the time with her boyfriend and having the best yeah. time ever <laughs> that you maybe aren't feeling that connection anymore with your husband. Um, yeah. There is a stigma behind it. You don't want your marriage judged. And so go somewhere judge free and be like, this is how I'm feeling. And this is why. And then your therapist will say, okay, let's explore body image issues. Let's explore the timing. Can I have some couples that I see that schedule on a Thursday for lunch hour fixed it. There they go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It it just depends on what works for you and, and where and why. So that's a little bit too. Yeah. I'm very intrigued by that. Well, it's, I think that's really helpful. Even your answer, if obviously you can't just like give advice on the fly without knowing someone's backstory, but even the way that your brain goes to process a woman listening to this can of course, like, you know, go seek, um, another outlet, like talking to a therapist to find out what it is, but you might listening to this, if that's something that you're struggling with, you might actually know what is triggering it right now. So then it's like, at least you're kind of giving them that guidance to like, 
let's tackle that issue because there is an underlying issue and that might just be the effect, not the root, right? Which I think is kind of like what you come back to with a lot of the things that you talk about and why I love talking to you because you're going back to like, let's figure out what the root problem is. It doesn't have to be this scary, overwhelming thing, but like, let's figure out what the problem is so that we can start to attack the root rather than the symptoms. Yes. You know, which I think is so powerful. So- Okay. You talk to, I want to pick your brain on this real quick. You talk with so many like relationships in terms of two people that are in a relationship together, whether that is mother, daughter, or, you know, spouses, whatever it may be. What are some things like any tips that you have for someone who doesn't know how to communicate, how to get help from their significant other? So in this case, it's the woman who knows that she's struggling with anxiety. Um, how can she open up that conversation with her significant other um, about how she might need to be supported? Like, how do you guide couples in that regard? Ooh, okay. Good question. I think it's, <laughs> it also depends on the couple because some couples yeah. have this real open dialogue with each other where they can say like, like my husband and I say, this was me. I feel like this, I can just use myself as an example. I try not to do that when I'm in session, but I'm not in session. I can do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I could very easily say, and I did like, can I talk to you? I found myself last night, like totally freaking out about dimmer switches. And I, and I did it the night before about something else dumb and the night before about something else dumb. Number one, because my husband has anxiety, I was able to say, I totally get what you're feeling. And it sucks that you're feeling that all the time because I've only felt it for three days and it's been awful. So like, I really don't know what I need right now. But like, I'm definitely yeah. panicking. And he was like, okay, like, why don't you go see your therapist? You, I feel like you should go see. And I was like, oh, you're totally right. I need to do that. Um, <laughs> so like we have an, you know, I'm feeling this because this and I need blah, you know, very simple yep. fifth grade communication process. But there's some people, you know, with that, maybe one cup, one parent, one, what the wife is really into mental health and understands that I have anxiety, but the husband might have a real stigma towards therapy or towards any sort of mental illness. And it might just have the relationship of like, just get over it. That's a scary place to go. Um, but then you need to analyze that relationship because if this is something you're really struggling with, you're going to need the support of your spouse and your significant other to get through it. Um, but I think it starts with a sit down and, and, you know, it doesn't need to be dark and scary. It doesn't need to be like a text ahead. We need to talk, but it can be like, can you sit with me for a minute? I just need to talk to you about what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And I don't know where it's coming from and I don't feel like it's healthy, but can we tackle this as a team? Yeah. I love that. So powerful. So, okay. Last thing that I wanted to ask about is, um, if a, I know that you're like, this has been a mom podcast. I just want to like help out the moms uh, because I'm not a mom. And I'm like, moms probably are anxious because they are juggling a lot. Like well, keeping I love humans the, alive. talking about the moms, even if you're not. Yeah. Alive. Yeah. So if someone, um, just from a guidance perspective, because I did have a couple of the collective members ask about noticing in their children um, some things that seem like they might have anxiety. How? What is your professional advice of like how to navigate that? So often parents come to me with their kids and say, I think, I think he has anxiety or I think she has anxiety. And I, my first sessions are always with parents only. I don't see the children first because I want to get like a true background without the kid wondering like, what are we talking about in there? Uh, right. And you would not be surprised probably to learn that by the end of my 50 minutes with the 
the parent, usually within the first 15 minutes, they are aware, and I certainly am, that the parents have anxiety. So now there's a Mm -hmm. very high likelihood that this is a genetic thing for the child if they have it, or, or the parents are just projecting their own anxiety onto their kid, not wanting them to feel the way that they are. Uh, We always want what's better for our kids. We always want whatever we had better. And so we never want to pass down something that is like that. And, And it's wonderful because we do get these parents in here that are anxious and have anxiety and are aware of it and are getting it treated themselves and they're on top of it. And so they're not just letting it slide. And I think a lot of parents that don't suffer from anxiety don't see the symptoms or the signs and think they just have like a brat for a kid or they're crying about everything or they need to get over it. They're big babies. You know, I'm putting that in quotes. Mm -hmm. No one can see that um, because I'm on a podcast, (laughs) but it's (laughs) just, it is, it's interesting. If you have any question at all about it, go see someone. Um, It's always best, I think, to have a foundation with a child and a therapist because how wonderful. Like I have some kids that I saw three years ago, actually the fifth grader I was telling you about earlier. I saw him first when he was in second grade and then I didn't see him for two years because he was doing great. So I, you know, he was discharged and he comes back as needed, but I haven't needed to see him until recently. Um, But he knew that he had a relationship with me from when he was younger and he was anxious and excited, anxious in a good way to come back and to do the work. So always set a foundation with someone and then they're, and then they're taught from such a young age. A therapist is just like a doctor. I have the I go to my pediatrician. If I'm having some strong emotions, I go to Miss Christie. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. Last like question, and then we'll move into the actual last question. So second <laughs> to last question is be like in real time, is there any like random little like tips or tangible things that you think help someone just manage anxiety in general that you've been working with like patients on recently or any just like tactical stuff? You know, I love tangible tools for women that are listening to this. So any juicy tips you want to share um, that you think could be helpful? You know, I'll send you this too, if I can find it. I think it's probably like a Word document, but I made this like boss babes event that I went to. It was for women in business, but it really works for everybody um, that include all of my very favorite things to like really help manage your anxiety when you are um, at your busiest in life. Um, so whether that be in business or as a mom or, you know, anything student, you know, there's a million things that make us the busiest. Right. So some of them, I mean, I love, I, I think I said this last time too, but, um, a hot cup of lemon water to start your day instead of coffee, do coffee later. Mm. Totally. I mean, here's my Starbucks. I have it, but I started (laughs) it with, I started my day with a hot cup of lemon water. It just kind of makes you feel like you, you started your day on a strong note. Do not start your day looking at social media. Don't roll, get an alarm clock instead of your phone. Put your phone away, put it on your kitchen counter and get an alarm clock. Don't bring your phone into the bedroom. Um, Do get some sleep, figure out how to sleep better. I know I've said that a hundred times. Don't drink too much. Don't smoke too much. Um, Mm -hmm. Exercise, eat better, use the Calm app. Um, Eliminate light stimulation at night. Mm -hmm. What else do I have? I think that's pretty much it. Routine. I think routine and planning ahead. Those are the biggest tips. Yeah. Things that will just help you as like a human function better, whether or not. So listening to this episode, if you're like, maybe I don't feel like I have anxiety. Everything that you just mentioned, 
I am doing, which I think is maybe helping me feel like I'm not as anxious. <laughs> and so it's like, that's so helpful for the woman listening to this. It's like, yeah, I listened to this episode because I just like li- really liked Christy and I got hooked right away. And I don't really think I have anxiety or know anyone that does. Well, girl, go do all those things that she just said. And you'll like still feel like you'll you're do being productive. So yeah, I don't yeah. have anxiety, but I, dr- I drink the lemon water and I do the things. And once I started getting sleep and I went to my therapist and I went and I was like, I word vomited all this stuff that I didn't even think mattered. I couldn't believe how much I had to say. And I, I I was having really bad stomach pains like throughout the whole week too, which I think was, I attributed that to me waking up that night with the, with the dimmers. And the night before I was like, Oh, my stomach hurts so bad. And then my mind just turned on and thought of something dumb. But then when I went to the therapist, it was my stomach felt, I almost canceled therapy because I didn't feel well. Like, I mean, literally all my emails to her, I was like, do you want me to come? Because I'm not sure I'm catching something. By the end of my yeah. session, my stomach didn't hurt anymore. I was holding all of that, that anxiety in my stomach. And mm. when it came out, I was done. It's, it was a somatic symptom, which is a symptom, you know, a physical pain that you're making up in your brain. And so I was very glad to have that go. <laughs> So you know, a diagnosable anxiety ridden person, but I was feeling anxiety. And so I did the things and I started the lemon water and I went for a run and I feel better. Yeah. It's uh, going for a run is so powerful. Like it's exercise is such an under you. Like that is like my drug of choice. It should be word vomiting. Like I love to word vomit all over my fiance. That's my favorite. I love word vomiting and then like moving my body. And then I should probably eat some more lemons, like just in general. Yes. I feel like that's yes. like a good idea. Yes. If that's what you You are so awesome. <laughs> yes. I love it. My nickname okay, so- actually squeeze. My husband calls me squeeze because I love lemon water. So <laughs> that's so that cute. <laughs> that's so cute. Okay. So I asked you this on the last time that you were on, um, but we have a- Spotify playlist for this podcast called Empower Her Pump Up Jams. Look it up on Spotify if you haven't looked it out looked it up yet. Um, do you have like a current pump up jam that gets you like excited or just in a good mood that you want to share that we can add to the list? Okay, so making a mountain out of a mole hole, <laughs> which I'm totally gonna make. That's gonna be the new thing. When I got off of our podcast last time, I had said. Um, Tennessee whiskey, Chris Stapleton, because I do really love that. And it gives me all the feels. And I know that's not a pump up jam, but it still like makes me feel better when I hear it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I got, I think I called you or something and was like, oh my God, that's not my pump up jam at all. Please change it. So now I feel like this is my chance to redeem myself. (laughs) Yes. Give it to me. Gold Dust Woman, Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks, 100% is the response and it must be on the list. I mean, when I feel I have a goal, I went and saw her in concert this year and I got gold dust woman t-shirt. And even when I'm feeling sad, like during the day, I put on the gold dust woman t-shirt and just wear it around the house and I'm immediately better. So that is my answer. You didn't add that one Uh, yet, did you? No, (laughs) I haven't. We will. Don't you worry. (laughs) I love it. Okay. And any last little like nugget that you want to leave um, the listener with, uh, just thank you for having me on and, uh, to you and to your listeners that want to be back. I super appreciate it. It's been so much fun and I really hope that you got something out of this, anything at all. And feel free to reach out to me if you need, if you need anything or need any help. And I did last time, I think you linked psychology, my blog about psychology today on how to manipulate it, to find a therapist that works for you. I'll give you that link again, because, I think that's really important to at least explore the idea of if you want to go to therapy. And if you don't, 
maybe explore why you don't and what's scary about it for you and um, see if you can maybe get a friend to go with you. Pick the same therapist and go try it out. (laughs) Yeah, make it fun. I love that. Christy, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming back on. And I just, you know, I just love you. I've slid your DMs. I'm like, you're so great. Like, let's be friends. I want to like come out there and hang out with you. So thank you so much. Again, I really appreciate you. And I will be sharing this episode and linking all of the links so everyone can feel just empowered to really just build their best life. So thank you for everything. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, I would so appreciate it if you share with your girlfriends or better yet, post it on Instagram stories and tag me. Then I can personally say thank you for helping me get this message out there. And if you didn't vibe with it, just keep that to yourself. I'm kind of new here, still trying to figure it all out. Talk to you soon, girl.